The Be A Part campaign this year is asking people to continue practicing safe physical distancing as society continues to cope with COVID-19. But it's also asking everyone to be a part of something bigger. And we hope that that means being a part of the work that we're doing here at Mental Health Association Oklahoma. And during May is Mental Health Month. That might mean engaging with us on social media or participating in one of our virtual events. And to learn more about the opportunities to participate, go to mhaok.org forward slash be a part. It's the idea that, you know, can we create space between the emotion that's approaching us and what our response is to it? And can we actually put ourselves in a position to respond to it as opposed to react, 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 react? You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason. On today's episode, our special guest host is Tyler Butler. He's a reporter for KTOL Channel 8 in Tulsa, and he actually was kind enough to let us turn an interview he did with Jacob Beaumont and Rebecca Hubbard about mindfulness and meditation into a very special episode of the Mental Health Download. So Tyler, if you're listening, thank you so much. So let's get right to it. The Mental Health Download starts now. First up, Jacob here, uh, I guess, I know it's kind of like a big question, but what has the past like month been like for you? Because obviously it's been a bit uh, odd. Yeah, the the last month certainly has been interesting. Um, it's It's been an education of sources. We've seen exactly how our, our states responded to this, our cities responded to this. Um, my work is generally in the criminal justice system, so it's been really interesting to see um, how uh, police and sheriff and, 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 and court systems have also uh, responded. Uh, that said, it's despite it being stressful, it's also been really reassuring. I, I think I, I'm lucky I get to work with a, a team of incredible people at the Mental Health Association who, who shine on a daily basis when we're not in the middle of a pandemic. Um, and to watch that group step up even more, um, you know, it's it's the one silver lining to really kind of come out of this. But uh, it's 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 been good. A little stressful though. Yeah, well, I can imagine because it's like you know, it's sort of like a relentless uh, parade of like now there are this number of people that are sick, and now mm-hmm. there are this number of people that have died, and we're going to have to close this and that, yeah. and now there's that whole debate over are we opening too early or are we doing what's right. Um, so it's like people are constantly spinning this over in their heads. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, what kind of effect has that had on you? What effect has that had on other people that you've known? Um, well, for for me, I'm an I'm an anxious person by nature. Um, you know, and that's something I, I came to realize as a kid. It was something I was formally diagnosed with as an adult about a decade ago. Um, and it certainly kind of fed into some of that anxiety. It's it's really easy to find yourself in this kind of spiral of despair. Um, and when I talk to my colleagues, when I talk to my friends and my family members, I think they're starting to feel it too. And in a way that maybe they're not used to talking about it or recognizing that it's there. And now that we find ourselves uh, cooped up at home uh, with a nonstop stream of what seems like bad news coming at us, uh, it's, it's now really underscoring that element in, in all of our lives. Yeah. So this is something uh, you and I, many other people have gotten familiar with kind of before all this happened. Now there's a whole like new group of people that have, have maybe never at least seriously struggled with these depression or anxiety thoughts. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, 
they're kind of dropped into the middle of that world mm -hmm. uh, just because the social circumstances are so extreme. Um, have you seen a lot of people that are kind of struggling with that transition of like, what is going on with me? Why am I so like pent up all the time? Oh, absolutely. And I, I'll be the first to admit that I've, I've seen it more in myself. And I'm, I'm somebody that I've, I've spent, you know, the last decade of my life just trying to be more aware of when I'm feeling those things. And, you know, even two weeks into uh, isolation and quarantine, uh, I was noticing that I was carrying a lot more tension around. I was a lot more, you know, short with my fiance. I was angry at my cats. Um, you know, it was, it was manifesting in, in, a, in a number of different ways. And, and I think, uh, you know, and talking to my friends and, and family members and, and colleagues, uh, you know, they're starting to kind of ask those questions uh, as as well. And I think the good news is they're also seeking out different resources for it as they have time to uh, explore what's available to them. But it's it's definitely something that's coming to the fore. Well, I'm sure you've had this mind, uh, this thing go through your mind. It's gone through mind. If it's like, why am I feeling like this? I'm not in a hospital, uh, mm -hmm. you know, working with these patients directly. I'm, mm -hmm. you know, sitting at home watching Netflix or whatever. It's mm -hmm. like, why, why am I feeling this uh, mm -hmm. tension? But I mean, that's, that's, it's valid. It's not like, you know, you're not allowed to feel a certain way because you're not necessarily in the front line because we all kind of are in a way in the front lines of this thing. Well, and, uh, you know, at the Mental Health Association, we're an interesting mix of frontline workers, as well as folks who are working behind the scenes with vulnerable populations. Um, and, and so it's, it's interesting. You get to see this mix of folks who are doing outreach to individuals who are experiencing homelessness. Uh, you know, we have an incredible team uh, that is, is doing this work right now as we speak and, and has been doing it for weeks. They, they didn't really stop. It was a matter of how could we continue to do it. So they're doing that frontline uh, very essential work. Uh, and then we have, you know, a lot of folks behind the scenes that do housing advocacy work. They, they do policy work. Um, you know, they work, you know, on our communications team. Um, and, and so it's, it's a, it's a mix of emotions. And I think what you're seeing is a lot of folks who are working from home right now, uh, they feel like they aren't being as productive as they used to be. And, and I think really what's happened is that kind of bustle and interruption of everyday life at the office is, stopped and they're actually able to get just as much work done if not more i think it's that you know we have some kind of internalized guilt about how productive we should be uh and and what a normal work day looks like uh and then they start to feel bad about that and then they start to feel bad about feeling bad um you know which which again is another one of those uh, you know kind of trains of, of association that can you know you can get swept up in and before you know it you know you're feeling like garbage on the couch yeah what's the dividing line between just someone who's like, I want to get out of my house versus someone who is in kind of that feedback loop mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, getting carried away with it. Well, it, it's, you know, it's about mindfully experiencing those uh, emotions, which, you know, I, I know part of what's driving, you know, our conversation today is, is uh, you know, talking uh, about mindfulness meditation. Uh, but it, it's the idea that, you know, can we create space between the emotion that's approaching us and what our response is to it? And can we actually put ourselves in a position to respond to it as opposed to react, 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 react? Um, you know, I, I think a classic uh, example is, you know, you read an article or a tweet uh, about the spread of COVID-19 and you begin to feel anxious. And that's a really natural and very valid response to um, some pretty bad news. Um, the reactive mind is going to resist that anxiety, which is actually 
going to make it worse. So suddenly, in addition to feeling anxious, you're now feeling bad about feeling anxious. And then you're resisting feeling bad about feeling bad about feeling anxious. So we see how the spiral starts to, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, create itself, it perpetuates itself. And, um, you know, uh, in my instance, you know, in instances with me, you know, if I don't check that early on, it's going to be a panic attack, or it's going to be a depressive episode. Um, you know, whereas, you know, a more mindful response, on the other hand, um, you know, primes you to more readily identify when you're at the start of one of these spirals and say, hey, wait just a second. Um, what am I feeling? I'm feeling anxiety. What does anxiety feel like? Um, you know, and we're just using anxiety as an example, but, uh, you know, it feels like a pit in my stomach. It feels like a tightening in my throat. It feels like my heart rate is increasing. And suddenly you're no longer resisting that anxiety. You're instead uh, responding to this emotion by identifying it, by being with it by identifying its core components. Um, and you'll still feel that anxiety, but its hold on you is, is lessened because you've stopped the spiral before it turns into anything else. Um, and by doing that, you've just reinforced your ability to be with that emotion when it inevitably comes back again. So it's, it's about resisting that temptation to, because <laughs> my parents, you know, they, they don't have, as far as I know, any of these kind of issues, but they have a good summary of it. If it's like, you know, there's someone at the bottom of a well or someone with a little faint voice that's like, come on, jump down in the well. It's mm -hmm. great. It's fun down here. So it's, it's about recognizing that voice and me. like, hold up a second. I don't yeah. want to get in that, that loop. You kind of catch yourself before that happens. Well, and it's really actually about resisting the urge to resist um, because it's when you start to fight one of those emotions that uh, it makes it stronger. Um, it, and, uh, you know, it, it's not the same for everybody, but I know that uh, when I have an anxious thought, if I push that anxious thought away from me and I don't want to have that, um, I'm suddenly in a fight that I'm just going to lose. You know, anxiety will win in that case. Whereas if that, you know, thought comes to me and I say, okay, what is it that I'm feeling right now? Why am I feeling it? If I get curious about it, if I interrogate it, if I elect to, to be with that emotion instead, um, I have a lot easier time dealing with it. You're, you're not in a fight with it. You're sitting down with it and saying, and, and being curious about it. You're examining a bit better, which means you're just priming your brain to, because you don't have one anxious thought in your life, address it, and then you're done with anxiety. Um, it's a lifetime, whether it's you know uh, worrying, whether it's sadness, it's anger, it's annoyance. Um, what you're doing is you're getting better at identifying those emotions and experiences on the front end. Um, so you could be with them and experience them right there and, and not let them jerk you around. And this great thing about mindfulness too, is it's like, obviously, you know, there's some people that come out of this that are going to be like, you know what, I need to see a therapist or, or find some kind of long-term solution. But with this mindfulness stuff, it can help you in the here and now. If you can just research a little bit online, take some of these tips you're saying, you can kind of, you can start that process at home. You don't have to sit back and be like, well, I'm a victim to this thing until I can go see someone in a professional setting. Uh, yeah. And uh, when you talk with, um, you know, my colleague a bit more about this, uh, she'll have a number of really great resources for people who, who can access it from the comfort of their home. But when it comes to mindfulness practices and mindfulness meditation, uh, there are countless free resources out there online that you can look into. There's a number of paid uh, apps that you can put on your phone or participate in that are also really high quality. Um, the, the good news is, is uh, the, there's no wrong way to do it. And there's a million different ways to engage in it. Um, you know, so it's a matter of finding something out there that uh, 
you respond well to and that you can maintain as a personal practice. And and knowing that it's not a, it's not a silver bullet. At the end of the day, yes, I've been practicing meditation for 10 years. I still go to therapy. I still take medication. I still get sad or I still worry. Um, but the thing is, it's another tool I have in my toolbox, which has been uh, immensely helpful, uh, especially in a time when we're having so much thrown at us and we, we feel more isolated uh, than we normally do. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's absolutely key that they look into that, uh, but that they also continue to look into telehealth options or online support groups um, and find ways to build a support network for themselves. And, and mindfulness uh, is, just, is just one part of that. Um, this might be my last question for you here, but um, in terms of, you know, obviously we have our own sort of interpersonal triggers for these kind mm -hmm. of things. And so that could be any number of things. But has there ever been something like this? I mean, you know, maybe 9-11 or something like this, some kind of global scale event that you can think of that just makes so many people look around and be like, oh, my God, everything is terrible or something like that. Or is this kind of just a very unique situation? So um, I think that, you know, the current situation is underscoring a lot of inherent systemic issues that a lot of the world has experienced for a long time. And we're just starting to notice how it affects us every day uh, here in America. Um, and, you know, the... You know, so a lot of the situations we're experiencing in terms of, you know, disparate access to health care, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, the uh, difference in uh, economic situations for individuals in terms of how, you know, they're able to uh, self-isolate versus how poor communities aren't able to, you know, self-isolate. They are the essential workers. We're, we're seeing increased studies that, you know, people of color are, you know, they die of COVID-19 in very different ways. And it's because they generally make up that essential worker class. Um, you know, so if anything, this is bringing a reality that's existed for a long time to the forefront and, and putting it in a lot of our front yards in a way that, you know, we just haven't had to think about it because we've lived with relative comfort. And now that we have that comfort taken away from us, the situation's changed a little bit. So yeah, there are large landmark uh, events globally that create these kind of, uh, you know, skies falling uh, feelings for us. Um, but this is something that um, it, it's going to be a reality that we have to live in for a, a long time. And it's going to permanently change, uh, I hope for the better, how we generally think about how we structure uh, things like the economy, the criminal justice system, healthcare, and, and determining who has access to what. Um, so no, I, I think this is going to be one of those tools when we you know, bring it back to mindfulness meditation um, and, and general mindfulness uh, overall. Uh, it's going to be one of those tools that no matter what storm it is you're trying to weather, no matter the nature of that storm, it's just a, another tool to have in your toolbox, another thing to have at the ready to support you in a difficult time. Okay, so during Tyler's break between interviewing Jacob and Rebecca, I'm going to take this moment to tell you about Mental Health Association Oklahoma's Be A Part campaign. And, you know, this year we're asking people to be a part. Of course, that means social distancing, but we're also asking people to be a part of our mission. We want you to be a part of suicide prevention, ending homelessness, promoting mental health. And, you know, here are some of the ways that you can get involved from a distance. Make a donation to Mental Health Association Oklahoma. Your donation helps support our important programs and services that we continue to provide during the COVID-19 pandemic. And being a part means spreading the word about this Mental Health Download podcast. Um, we appreciate you listening today and we hope you subscribe. So be a part. Visit mhaok.org forward slash be a part. All right, let's get to Tyler's interview with Rebecca Hubbard. So what's your official title with the uh, Mental Health 
I'm the Director of Outreach, Prevention, and Education. All right. Um, so first up here, I have to assume there's been um, a, a significant uptick in demand for your guys' services over the past month or so as people are kind of confronting all these maybe foreign feelings for the first time. Yes, uh, definitely. We're seeing, we are seeing in 211 is seeing many more mental health calls. Initially, it was about food and school and now we're seeing uh, many mental health calls at our mental health assistance center. We are getting calls daily, um, asking various questions and having various needs uh, to, to with their mental health. The support groups we had were meeting in person and we moved them online. So those were support groups for depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, or maybe you lost a loved one to suicide or violent act. And then also parents, supporting parents, which is a caregiver of a child or adult child with a mental health disorder. We moved those online and then we launched um, 13 new programs, uh, support groups online for COVID stress management. And those are for frontline workers, uh, first responders, and the general population, including some specific uh, population groups, such as uh, a history of trauma, or parenting stress, because we know all the parents out there have a lot on their plate suddenly. Yeah, all of a sudden they're, they're dealing with their kids a whole lot more than they thought they would. Uh, right. And I don't know if there would be kind of one particular thought that you keep hearing popping up more often than anything else. I think the three, there's actually three that I'm seeing, and I would say that we've seen a heightened level of anxiety globally, of course. Um, and so we're seeing a lot of people feeling very anxious, um, very un unsure about being among other people, about what's safe, what's not safe, uh, how to protect themselves, how to protect others that they care about from getting sick. So I've definitely seen uh, quite, a, quite an uptick on anxiety. I've also seen an increase in depression um, particularly for individuals who may have had trauma in their past or um, youth who may have had quite a significant change, especially seniors going from, you know, prom and graduation and heading into college and suddenly things are um, completely different and we don't know what it's going to look like moving forward even still. And so there are a lot of, um, you know, upset feelings that can lead to some depression if we have some underlying issues or, or struggles that are going on. And then, um, and actually I lied, I would say four, uh, there's a grief process would be the third one. Many people uh, are still along that continuum somewhere between denial, anger, and sadness. Um, there's not been a, a lot of level of acceptance that this is just, it is what it is. And we're going to have to, you know, get through it together. Uh, the fourth, I would say would be an uptick in um, substance use. And so that's a concern, especially with a lot of people at home with um, time on their hand and they've already been in recovery, but maybe they're disconnected from the recovery network now. That's a concern. And also domestic violence. Well, we're not seeing an increase in reports of domestic violence. The, the reports we are getting are with more severe um, cases. Yeah. Yeah. We've been hearing about that. up to, And unfortunately, we've been out to a few of these calls. That we, don't, we don't report them, obviously, but, you know, we, we hear... Uh, someone pointed a gun at somebody, we go out there and there's some kind of domestic thing. So yeah, that's that we've seen that uptick. Um, I'm well, more... and that, 
That leads me to another topic, which is vicarious trauma. So when you go out on a call and you are there in the midst of a domestic violence dispute or some other violent act, you know, you can experience trauma due to that act um, in, in witnessing that act and that scenario that's going on. Additionally, our frontline responder, our frontline workers and our, especially our first responders are um, in a very heightened state of need to focus. So they're, you know, a bit detached from their emotions and just getting the job done at hand. And um, that can trigger some trauma responses if not handled properly as well. I know we've got kind of that mental reflex uh, still in this country of uh, like having any kind of, well, first of all, the, the term mental illness is stigmatized uh, immensely, as I'm sure you're, you have to deal with all the time. Um, but uh, just people that, that might be struggling with this, but they kind of refuse to accept it because I, it, it's just, it's some little emotion thing. It'll, it'll go away. It's no big deal. And, and they're almost afraid to confront that. Um, one thing I kind of want to, whenever I do a story like this, I kind of want to drill it home to people that it's like, this is not some weakness thing. It's right. like, if you broke your arm or something like that, you're not going to be like, Oh, what a wimp. I broke my arm. I can't go get a cast because that would be lame or something. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's my favorite spiel to give uh, is that our brain is an organ, just like our stomach or our heart. And just like our stomach can have about a flu, we can have about a depression. Just like our heart can have an arrhythmia, um, we can have an ongoing condition like a generalized anxiety disorder. We would never think to our stomach, oh, don't be sick. You don't have the flu. You're fine. We, ne we would never think to our heart, oh, just beat normally. You really don't have an arrhythmia, right? But we have this tendency to think that we can tell our brain, oh, you're really not feeling depressed. Just, just get out of bed. You're fine. Or you're not that anxious. Just buck up and, and pretend that it's not there or fight it as has been mentioned. And when you're, when you do that, you're denying, not only are you not treating your mental health, which is very important, but you're denying yourself overall health. Mental health affects physical health. And it's very important to tend to your mental health um, in, that, in that thread so that uh, really you sh we should have mental health checkups. We really should. Just like we have child checkups, we have well woman checkups, we have you know, we have our, our annual or biannual, whatever, tests. I don't understand why we don't have mental health uh, checkups for everybody. It's a part of who we are. It, it's not, there's nothing wrong. I think of it as a continuum. We all have mental health one way or another. We're either on the side of, wow, today's a great day and I'm doing fabulously, or maybe in the middle with, okay, I'm doing all right, but maybe I needed to have some little meditation time, some yoga, take a walk talk to a friend, or maybe I'm over here and maybe I've been way over here and that I am really not doing well. I am not motivated to get out of bed. Everything feels overwhelming. Um, I'm easily startled or completely feel stressed all the time. And you've been feeling that way for several days. And definitely if it's been over a week or two, that's the time to really reach out to a professional and seek some assistance because they're not going to come in and do anything uh, weird or bizarre or unusual, they're going to come in and they're going to help you gain some tools to combat the illness or disorder that your brain may be experiencing, just like you would take medication for your heart arrhythmia or maybe some uh, medication for the flu 
or you would drink a lot of fluids, you know, take, take drink lots of orange juice for, for a cold. It's the same kind of thing. It's just behaviorally, there are of course medications, but also behaviorally, there's a lot that can be done with um, behavior health and mental health. Um, so I, I want to do a story at some point about how our system is overloaded pre-coronavirus yeah. and how we need yeah. more, more, you know, therapists out there working. Um, yes. But uh, so obviously I can't just call the place and get in right now, especially given the load. Um, but as you mentioned, you guys have got all these support groups and things like that. So how can I get plugged in with something like that? Right. So many of the agencies and individuals around that are therapists, licensed clinicians, they are offering telehealth. And you can even start as a new client through telehealth. So please don't think that you can't call and start therapy now. It may look a little different than going in a meeting. And maybe for some people, it might be easier to do it from um, your home and on a computer. But it's the same format you and I are using right here. It's Zoom most of the time, or um, there's some telehealth apps that are out there that, that individuals use, individual clinicians. And you're very much able to um, still start that journey. Please don't think you can't. Uh, and if you were originally seeing someone, you can always check back with them and see if they're offering telehealth at this time. Yeah. And then um, uh, in terms of these larger groups, is it like, have you guys got a list on your website or something of here's when we're doing this or, or how does that work? Let me say also that we have the Mental Health Assistance Center so that if you don't know who to call or who might best meet your needs, you definitely can call our Mental Health Assistance Center. And our coordinator is amazing. She knows all about the different services and resources in the community with anything related, and, and really not just this community, but across the state, with anything related to mental health. So you can call that number, 918-585-1213, and our coordinator can assist you in navigating to the appropriate services. Our support groups are also offered, and those are all online at mhaok.org forward slash support hyphen groups. And it's all um, spelled out there what groups are available, what days and times they meet. There is a brief referral process, so you'll need to call us or submit a web form, and we will be able to um, call you. One of our screeners can call you. They're very friendly. It's very brief, quick referral screening just to make sure that we're getting you in the right group and getting you the information on joining and the guidelines and expectations of being part of that group and um, and then the link to join that group at the appropriate time. And I guess to assuage some people's fears, because, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a ton of people out there that maybe they are struggling and they almost don't want to admit that they're struggling um, or they're afraid of being psychoanalyzed or something like that because they've seen too many movies. <laughs> What, what would you say to those people to kind of calm that down and just be like, this is just, you know, a conversation to help get you well. And that's not going anywhere. We're not running out with a banner, waving it in the air, saying such and such is dealing with depression. Absolutely. Actually, as licensed behavioral health clinicians, we are held at a higher standard of even your physician is. Um, I'm married to a physician, so I know this firsthand and I am a clinician. Um, and so we actually have very strong, very high ethics, rules and regulations that we follow. Everything is always held in confidence. Many therapists are even very uh, limited on the amount of notes that they take so as to protect their clients. It is completely and utterly safe. They're there to help you. They're not there to judge you. 
And the same with our support groups. Our facilitators are there to assist you on your journey. And there are other people there that are feeling the same way you are. It's unfortunate that mental health has been stigmatized because it is such an integrated part of us and who we are. There's really no reason to think that it's anything like it's been portrayed in the media. Uh, As far as, I I know you guys are doing a great job here as reporters, but as far as movies that we may have seen and, and that kind of thing, it's really not that. And honestly, I just recently got the opportunity to do a training and I talked about mental health symptoms. I talked about trauma response symptoms and I talked about stress response symptoms. Two thirds of those symptoms were the same across all three, stress response, trauma response, and a mental health disorder. So every single one of us can imagine what it would mean to have maybe a severe anxiety disorder or severe depression um, because we've had those moments of being overwhelmed. We've had those moments of being fearful and anxious and concerned. And particularly right now, we perceived a threat that's come against us, right? And that's normal. That's normal for us to be fearful. Um, Fear can turn into anxiety when we ruminate on it. And anxiety can kind of become this large uh, overtaking thought process. And therapists can help you to undo that thought process and kind of retrain the way that you think and the way that you feel because of the way you think. And then your actions will follow and you'll have a much more fulfilling life. So it's a win-win. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully one day all this stigma stuff will finally start to fall by the wayside uh, and we can have real conversations. I agree. And I appreciate you guys doing stories like this because I feel like every time we do this, we are nicking at that, you know, that ice sculpture, you know, that that iceberg. We're nicking that away and eventually we'll get there. Yeah, I hope so. I certainly do. Okay, so thanks again to Tyler of Channel 8 for taking the time to interview Jacob and Rebecca and for letting us turn his really insightful and thoughtful interview with them into a mental health download podcast. So with all that being said, be a part and go do good things.